Hi, Sarah. It is super exciting to be here and to be interviewing you ahead of you starting off your podcast series. I think it's going to be super interesting for your listeners to hear a bit about your story and get inspiration from all of the exciting things that you've got to to talk about. So, Sarah, tell us about yourself. Okay, so um, I'm 50. Um, I'm a wife, mum to William, who's 23. I can't believe I'm even saying that. Um, I'm a, some people call it a portfolio entrepreneur. I would just say I'm a multiple founder. Um, I'm the CEO, founder and franchisor of Simply Bows and Chair Covers, a wedding and events dining business that we've got 10 offices around the UK. I have um, just finished a huge property uh, project with my husband. We developed his family farm into eight beautiful barn conversions in the Tyne Valley in Northumberland. And now I am the founder and mentor of, um, well, Sarah Pittendrick, the I Can Method, really. Um, I also am an inspirational speaker. And um, what else would I say? Oh, yes, I'm a, an author. I'm just about to write my first book. So um, it's all very, very exciting at the moment. But uh, but yeah, and, and lover of horses, let's not forget that, and dogs. <laughs> and I'm sure that's going to come out in our conversation today. What does formidable over 40 mean to you, Sarah? Well, formidable over 40 came about because um, I felt like I came into my own in my 40s. So um, it was in my 40s where everything I've just mentioned about who I am happened. So I founded my, my first business in my 40s. And I think I broke through and started to really understand who I was and what made me tick in my 40s. And that's when I realized that, you know, you're never too old and it's never too late to design a life you love. And I just want other people to feel formidable over 40 and realize that you can achieve your goals and your ambitions no matter how old you are. Love it. Especially since I'm 42 and I'm thinking... What more can I do in my 40s now? And I'm sure you'll, you'll be inspiring me with lots of wonderful ideas. So I think we're going to go back in time and start with thinking about you as 15-year-old Sarah. What was 15-year-old Sarah's dreams and hobbies? Well, 15-year-old Sarah loved horses, the countryside, being outside. She was creative. Um, and strong-willed, probably. Um, and I think what she really wanted to do was to compete her horses and um, be a coach and go to equestrian college. And I think that would have been, at that time, her real dream. Mm -hmm. Which is really interesting, because if you think about you now, there's definitely some things within that that uh, are definitely a big part of your life now. So what would a typical day be like for you now? And I, I think you're going to tell me there's no typical day. So maybe tell us about a really great day for you now. So I think that I've got an exceptionally good balance in my life now, and I'm pretty living what would have been a dream. Um, so I get up in the morning. And um, before I move, I have a cup of tea with the dogs uh, where I just sit and reflect or I walk up the garden and sit next to the hens and just take my time to plan my day. Um, depending on what's in the diary, it would be probably walk across and see what William's doing with the horses, 
watch him ride one, go back into the office, start doing whatever needs to be done. Um, mentor, probably a client that would be in the, in the diary. Um, and, you know, be working on my business at, in some form, then take a break, go back, do something with the horses, take the dogs for a walk. And, you know, it would sort of be dinner with the family, but then I could very easily go back into the office and continue to do some work. It's, it's, it's pretty flexible and I get to do everything that I want to do. Sounds really great. I mean, we talk a lot about, um, you know, balance and, and things like that. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit further, uh, further along. But it sounds like you get to do the things that you really enjoy. And um, whereas others might perceive that to be a, a job, actually, you're really enjoying it. And that's it's fun. Yeah, it's I absolutely fun. love what I do. You know, I've got a fantastic team of franchisees who are running the Simply Bows and Chair Covers business, as in they're the front of the business now styling phenomenal events all around the UK, which has allowed me to step back to pursue what I believe is my purpose, to give back all of the the learnings that I've picked up in 25 years in business. And it is, it's, it's absolute fun. I love it. I'm very passionate about it. Great. And just going back to the horses, so you said 15-year-old Sarah was into, into horses and obviously they're a huge part of your life now. Where did that love for horses come from originally? It's just generational. My parents were um, into horses before I was even born. I think I was sat on a horse before I could even walk. In fact, there's a picture of probably 18-month-old Sarah sat on a horse in front of her, her dad. Um, so, yeah, I just think it was, I was literally born into it. And what is it that you love about horses? They are a challenge. They keep you on your toes, you know. Um, they are very respectful. You respect them. Um, they're just so powerful and and the, the potential's unreal, you know. Um, and I think they're very honest and loyal. You're good to them. They're good to you. Real solid values. So tell us about your business. How did you get into doing what you're doing now? So um, we just finished a very large property development project. We'd um, developed my um, husband's former family farm into eight houses. Altogether, we sold 10. And we'd finished that. The franchisees were, as I say, running the business. A global pandemic hit the the country and I was sat at home and I couldn't run or occupy myself. And I found myself um, with a lot of time on my hands and it made me very uncomfortable. It started bringing up um, anxiety and, um, and, and, and sort of um, made me sort of feel as if I was losing my purpose. I didn't have anything to really focus on. And I thought, you know what, this is time to really start working on you and face um, the underlying um, current, if you like, of your self-limiting beliefs because I was sick of um, battling with myself and my anxiety. And I felt that um, by historically, the busier I was and the more challenged I was, I could avoid facing me. But everything I'd built was built on 50% functioning on anxiety and 50% functioning. And I thought, gosh, look what you've achieved while you're functioning 50% on anxiety. What could you achieve if you were focusing 100% 
on yourself. So using what I didn't know was a methodology at the time, but just the strategies that I used to overcome anything that I feel challenged with or when I've built my businesses, I just turned back to that and started working on me and asking myself the same questions that I would have asked myself if I was looking to build a business from the foundation up. And did you do that consciously? Did you sort of sit down with those questions and start working through them or was it kind of subconscious and then you got to a point where you realised there was a method within it? Yeah, it was subconscious at first. What I did was I started exactly what I did when I, when I was building Simply Bows and Chair Covers, I took to walking. So I went out into the countryside and did a lot of reflective work. I started to, what I would say, it's a bit like gardening. You go through all the brambles and the weeds to try and get to the root and to try and work out layer by layer, where did that self-limiting belief, where did that anxiety come from? When did you last feel happy? When did you last feel confident? When didn't you feel confident? So these questions were going through my head when I was walking. And then what I did was I would come back and sit at my dining room table, exactly the same thing that I did when I set up Simply Bows, exactly what I did when I was uh, doing a feasibility study on the farm. Without knowing it, it was a pattern. And when I sat there and I was starting to do all my spider charts and things on myself and working through it, that's when I thought, I thought, do you know what? This is a method. You, you're repeating history again. This is a, a method and a strategy that you use to break through your challenges or to, to build your businesses. And, you know, if you can work on you, there could be a lot of people out there that you could support to help them break through their challenges. And at that point, that's when I thought, right, I'll work on me first, sort myself out, and then hopefully I could find my purpose and share it with others. You were your own guinea pig. I absolutely was my first customer. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I bet that's a glowing testimonial. (laughs) So you mentioned there about purpose. Tell us about your why and what drives you. So my why is that I think everybody should realise their purpose. I really want, I'm very passionate about seeing whether it's kids in school who, who who are being passed over because they've got entrepreneurial spirit and entrepreneurial flair and it's being misunderstood and um, whether it's people who've just got self-limiting beliefs and therefore, you know, you can see that they've got such talent, but they're scared to push it forward. Um, It's just, I just really understand what it feels like to be held back by a lack of um, self-belief. And and I see people doing, and self-belief is not just about people you know, who, who aren't achieving. I, I've, many of my clients are multiple seven-figure entrepreneurs who have got crippling self-belief and a lack of self-confidence. And, and I just think that everyone deserves this opportunity to realize the purpose and understand their why. And, and that's really just what I want to help, help them to do, break free. And what motivates you in the times where you've hit a wall or perhaps you're questioning your own why? Um, in the early days, so everything's had a purpose in that I, every business that I've built had a purpose. So Simply Bows and Chair Covers was definitely there to um, save our home and to make sure that my son, who at the time was only nine, had a secure and financial future, you know, ahead of him. Um, when we developed the farm, 
um, the the purpose definitely and the drive was to make sure that my husband um, realized the math, the potential of his inheritance, you know. And for me now, um, my purpose is about pushing myself as far as I can, not for money or financial gain, but to overcome all of the fear and anxiety that's held me back. I want to just see how far I can go and by overcoming all of that anxiety and fear. So it's more a purpose of a journey for me rather than a financial gain. That makes sense. And you you touched on it in, in the response to that question just there around some of the challenges that you've had. Can you tell us a bit more about that? So tell us about the adversity that you faced on that journey and how you've overcome this, because I know you've got a really unique story. Yeah, so um, we had, a, a, at, at the time, we had a fantastic seven-figure corporate and leisure event business, um, delivering some very high-profile events. And unfortunately, um, we'd gone into a, a contract with a, a big client. It didn't come to fruition. We'd invested heavily as directors, putting in personal guarantees to, for the finance. Um, and as I say, the contract didn't come to its full fruition. Hit also with the recession of 2008. It meant that we lost our business. As a result of that, um, my home was attached to the funding. So therefore, my home was repossessed. Um, and I ended up a bankrupt single mum on income support. Um, at that time, my anxiety and my self-doubt was, it was just absolutely on rock bottom. Um, I think I ended up with a touch of agoraphobia as well because I was so ashamed and feeling judged. So, um, I, I, yeah, I wasn't in a good place, but, um, you know, I, I, I overcame it through um, realising one day when a guy came to value my house for the auction that if I actually didn't put my purpose ahead of my fear, then my son would lose his home and, you know, we would be homeless. I mean, obviously we could have moved in with my parents, but, you know, when you've had your own home and your own career and your own financial independence, it's it's dreadful because you suddenly become controlled. And, um, yeah, so that was a, a very dark dark time for me and was the point where where they came to to re, to value the house was that that trigger point for you to have these more constructive thoughts around what what you had to do what you needed to do yeah absolutely and it was it was that he actually it's in, I'm actually writing a book at the moment and this is actually covered in the book that um this this guy had actually lost his job in the recession who came to value the house as well and when he, he sat down and went through it all with me, he said, your house is actually in negative equity. Now, at that point, bearing in mind this house isn't mine, it's now been handed over. If it had been mine, I would have been heartbroken. But the fact it wasn't mine, I saw opportunity. Because I'm thinking, if this house is in negative equity, there's no real benefit to the bank other than to auction it off. They're not gonna, it's going to cost them rather than them gain. And I thought, right, it it's worth a lot to me to get this house back. And if I can just push through this fear and put that purpose ahead of fear, then I can get my home and, and, and do something to get my home back. Then um, that's what I've got to do. And I just felt like a phoenix rising out of the ashes. I just felt a power that 
had never, I hadn't felt for such a long time and a determination to make my son proud. So what were the practical steps that you took to save the house? So the first thing I did was um, I had to overcome my panic attacks and my, um, what I knew was gripping me of, in, in, in sort of the, the terms of the agoraphobia. So I did something that probably nobody else would do. I went and rescued a lurcher puppy. I got a dog and um, I knew that dog would make me go outside. You know, I had to be responsible for that dog. I would have to walk that dog. So um, that's what I did. I started walking and getting outside. And, you know, people say about blue sky thinking and all that sort of thing. Getting outside, it gave me space. It just got me out of the, the, enclosing, the closing in four walls. It gave me space to, to start thinking and walking with my mum allowed me uh, to brainstorm with her as well. And that was, that would definitely be the point where, as in, and this is what I have in the first module of the program, Ignite, that was where I really did sort of light up and ignite my ideas. And you said just before that you think that you didn't want to go out because you felt that you were being judged. Do you think on reflection that people were really judging you or do you think that was something that was just worrying him. I think there were people who were reveling in my downfall. And um, I know that because there were things coming out of school, you know, where par- local parents had said things and kids were saying on the school bus to William, like, oh, I see your mum's gone belly up, you know. So you know a child's not going to come up with something like that. That's a, a parent who was talking in the family and saying that. And so it wasn't really the judging for me wasn't really where the pain was coming from. It was for my son being ridiculed and having to endure it on the school bus that that made me um, hurt. But that hurt became energy and a determination to to turn it around. Okay. Completely understand that. So on the flip side of that, what support networks have you found that have helped you on your journey? So many people. You know, if you ask and you're allowed to allow yourself to be vulnerable and don't try to be something you're not. Just be you, be authentic, be real. There are so many people out there who will help you. And um, the, my first real support outside of my family network was Business Link. Um, a fantastic guy called Stan Tatko. Um, they invited me in um, to present my idea. And... Um, they were, they were wonderful. They really supported me and said that they would offer me a small business grant, um, which was brilliant, just to get some samples made. This was for Simply Bows and Chair Covers? Simply Bows and yeah. Chair Covers, yeah, my, my first sole startup business. Um, and then um, through the, the sort of time of having Simply Bows and Chair Covers and growing it and franchising it, uh, the Northeast Chamber of Commerce were a huge support. Uh, the Entrepreneurs Forum were fantastic. Um, I, also, I, won a, I remember when I wanted to franchise Simply Bows and Chair Covers, I'd won a competition within the forum. And there was a wonderful guy called Chris Baxter who um, offered me complimentary mentoring support. Um, he had a background in franchising. And all of that advice, you know, was, was just so valuable. But, you know, not even just, just those people, just general people in business who who just wanted to help and to support, you know. If, I think the key thing is to, to not be afraid of asking for help. 
Have you ever suffered from self-limiting beliefs? Yes, and I still do. Walking here this morning, it was, Sarah, you're launching a podcast. What, what's that all about? You know, who's going to listen? What if it doesn't work? You know, it's that sort of thing. And, but then I talk to myself and say, but what if it does work? And what if it helps just one person? Do you know what I mean? But all through my um, life, I have had self-limiting beliefs, even to the point of walking up um, to, to pick up some huge business awards. I've felt not worthy. Do you know what I mean? Of, of not worthy. In fact, I can give you a really good example of a self-limiting belief hit me. I've just been um, nominated as a finalist in the Great British Entrepreneur Awards. Congratulations. Well, thank you. But that should have filled me with joy. But it actually triggered self-limiting beliefs. And what happened was I, I looked at that award and I looked at the, the, all the other people in it and I, was, and I could see it. I could see it happening again. I could see the pattern of, oh, but, you know, um, I, do I deserve to be there? And I'm just a new startup. And what if I haven't got what they've got? And da-da-da-da-da, you know, what will people think? And, and I can hear that going. And it's really interesting because I've just been listening to Bear Grylls on, on um, Steve Bartlett's podcast, Diary of a CEO, and he says the same. You know, it, it, it's, it's still that, that self-limiting belief um, and it can hit you when you should be celebrating, but actually it, it, it nips into you when you, you can be winning because it's then, do I deserve that? Do I deserve that? So in answer to your question, yes. <laughs> so how do you overcome them then? And what advice would you offer to others who might be feeling massively held back by their own limiting beliefs? Again, I go back to always putting my purpose ahead of fear. So it's okay to be fearful. Fear is a natural thing. I don't know anyone, I haven't come across anyone in business who has never said to me, I haven't got some form of a self-limiting belief. So I think what you have to do is you've got to think, what is it that you want to do? Why do you want to do it? What is the outcome that you want from it? Who is it going to benefit? How is it going to benefit them? Okay, is that more important than you feeling a little bit uncomfortable for a, for a short while? And if their answer is yes, you've just got to keep driving on through it. That's weighing things up, as you said before, around the podcast, even if one person listened to it and got value from yeah. it, then it's job done. So thinking about your priorities now, how have they changed over the course of your life? Um, well, different things have happened to me within my life to change my priorities. I think when my priorities, well, twice, once when I had my son and two when I was diagnosed with cancer. So having my son, my priorities completely changed because all I wanted was him to realize his potential and to be the best mum I could be. Having cancer taught me that a lot of the things I used to worry about were not important. And your health is truly your wealth. And we're only here for a, a short space of time. So it's important to understand what your purpose is and to be sure that you are living your life for you and your purpose and not for other people. Because we've all got an equal amount of, well, not time because everybody's time is different, but we've all got this one opportunity to, to live our best life. And if you're doing it for someone else, you've missed the journey. Good point. 
And how do you envision your priorities changing again? Do you think they will or? No, I think I'm about right where I am. I think I've got it just about right now. Who do you take inspiration from? So many people on all different levels. Um, I take a huge amount of inspiration from my mum. I think she's a phenomenally strong woman. Um, I take inspiration from my clients who I mentor. Uh, definitely from my son. He's incredibly strong, willed and determined, passionate young man. Um, and and just from the people all around me who I meet, you know, um, I just think there's so many, there's so much inspiration to be had if you open your eyes and take a step back and look at the landscape. And I guess with all the various interests that you've got at the moment, they are all pretty go-getting people that you're spending time with and that's going to only fuel your own energy, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It's like all the people I work I work with, the people who are supporting me, like yourselves. You know, learning to do this this podcast today. You know, it's it, it, it. You guys are inspiring me me to do it. And um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's all about just keeping your eyes open. So, how do you achieve balance in your work and your personal life? By setting really good boundaries. That's something I learned. It's very important to to have good boundaries and always to keep you on your to-do list because it's very easy. Um, business can consume you. And, and to be fair, in the early days, it, it probably should. It sounds a terrible thing to say, but it probably should consume you. You've got to throw everything at it and be prepared to throw everything at it. And you can't step back, really, until it's a well-oiled machine, you know, because... You've got to be in there, in amongst the nitty gritty. And then when everyone's in the right place, you can be delegating and doing. And when you can do the delegating and doing and you become, um, you have more time to work on your business and the growth, then that's when you can get you on your to-do list and set those boundaries. So I would say that now because of where my businesses are, I've got an exceptionally good work-life balance. But I wouldn't be too hung up on the fact that in the early days, if you are having to give it all you got, um, yes, definitely still have some quality time to step back and look in. But um, be just be mindful when you're building your business, how you want it to be for you in the future. And I think I've always been very clear on that. And, and as I say, put those boundaries in and now. I would say my diary fits around me more than I fit around it. That's really good advice there around focusing on the future because the reality of growing a business is just that, isn't it? You, you, it's all that putting the hard effort and time and work in at the beginning to be able to choose what those boundaries look like and be clearer about how you want to spend your time, I guess. Well, I think that if you can think about um, being a parent, yeah, the early years, you're very hands-on and you're tied and you are tied and you might have somebody who can take your children off you for a short space of time but you, you're back in there and you're at it full time. But as they grow and they become independent, you, you have more time on your hands and I just think that all of my business have been nurtured and I've been the parent nurturing them. I love that analogy. I've never heard that before, but as a parent myself, I can completely relate to that. That uh, I might have to, to borrow that one. It's really, really powerful. 
Um, I think I might know the answer to this or certainly some of it, but what does your me, me time involve? Um, well, uh, I, a lot of it's with the horses, with William, but I need to get away from my family as well and the horses and do. And I've got a really small but tight network of friends. And so for tomorrow, for example, um, I'm spending a whole day at a spa and having lunch with my friend. And then we're going to a yoga and breathwork class in the evening, you know, and it's just it's just about um, having, you know, as I say, doing the horses, but also not forgetting my friends as well. I think that's important to have a bit of away from your family time as well. That sounds great. I'm very jealous of your spa day. Do you find it easy to say no to opportunities that aren't right for you to protect that, that balance? I do now. I think in the early days of business, um, if I look back, I took... I said yes to too much. And I think that is a thing of confidence. And it's only something that comes with growth and experience. But now, absolutely. Yeah. I can completely relate to that as well. And I suppose it's, you never know when the opportunities are going to stop. So you keep saying yes to everything, thinking I better say yes in case something else doesn't happen. And then you get to that point where you then need to learn that skill to say no, which can be quite hard. So it's time to, to pay it forward. What is the biggest piece of advice that you would give to other people embarking on a journey of reinvention or finding a new direction? I think the important thing is, is to give yourself space and time. And when I mean that, I mean time on your own to really step away and look at the landscape and think about what you want and be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. So really, really good advice. Totally. You're making me think just uh, just saying some of these things now. In terms of, um, of, of life lessons, I mean, this is a very broad question, but what important lessons would you say you've learned along the way? Um, I think through my self-limiting beliefs, I held myself back, always worrying about what other people thought. And I think that's a lot of where my anxiety came from, you know, thinking I wasn't good enough. What would people think and do? And I think now, and definitely since being diagnosed with, with the cancer and thankfully successfully treated, it doesn't matter what other people think. And probably half the time, those people are so worried about what everybody else is thinking about them, they're not thinking about you. So um, just don't allow yourself limiting beliefs to hold you back. And if you've got them, invest the time. And if it has to be the money to understand where they come from and set yourself free. And what words of wisdom could you share to someone who's feeling stuck and at a crossroads in their life? To be similar, talk. Or? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. talk. It's um, it's very important to um, find somebody who you feel that you can open up to in a confidential environment, and who you can be vulnerable with. And that's not necessarily a friend or a family member. It just needs to be somebody who you know gets it. So you know, don't be afraid of looking stupid. Because all you're doing is holding yourself back. I think that's a great note to end on today, Sarah. You've shared so much. Um, I feel like I've learned quite a lot more about you today as well. And I'm sure that everybody listening to this episode is going to find some real takeaways that they can apply to their own lives. So thank you for being open and for sharing so much with us. And thank you very much, Sophie. <laughs>